Hello everyone and welcome to this month's episode of the Alpha Live podcast. It's a brand new episode and it's a club special. Get your comments in, get your likes in as well. We'd love to know what you have to think about the new podcasts that are coming out. Any guests that you'd like joining us, and of course you are enjoying it, get it shared out and get those likes out as well. Our three guests on this episode, we've got John Monroe from the Traction.gg team. We've got Jack Dwayne from the Clio Sport Championship, also Clio Sport champion himself as well. And Richard Morris, one of the British drivers who is racing in the Revolution cars as a works driver and also the creator of the Racing Pride movement. We'll start with our first guest this month on the Alpha Live podcast. It's John Monroe from the Traction GG YouTube channel. And John, welcome to the Alpha Live podcast. Firstly, how are we today? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I've kind of taken a little bit of time out of my work day. I'm in the, the main studio here at Traction HQ. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to a little chat about all things racing, really. Well, yeah, excellent. That's and that is why we're here. Of course, it is all about racing. You know yourself. You're you're an avid sim racer. You you've come into the world of club racing as well in the 750 Motor Club, um, uh, sort of enduro club uh, championship sort of thing. Um, you're racing the MX5s in the beautiful Traction GG liveries. I have to say, it looks absolutely fantastic. Tell us how that's going so far this year. It's been okay, yeah. We we went into the season a little bit unsure because we were struggling a bit for pace last year. We had a, we had a few issues with the uh, performance of the car in a straight line, but um, the TWP team worked really hard in the off-season to, to get the cars prepared and running well. We've obviously uh, got the, the traction liveries on those cars as well now, which gives us that extra bit of motivation on my side at least. So to be honest, it's been going well. We, we had a good run at Donington. I think we were pretty much fighting for the lead of the race until we suffered a mechanical issue with the, with the suspension. So that put us out. But Croft was far better and we, we led most of the race, to be honest, until until we got passed quite late on. So it's been a good season so far. There's still a little bit of, of way to go in terms of uh, outright speed. But yeah, I think we, you know, we've got a good car underneath us. We know it's a reliable car when, it, you know, when everything's running well. So yeah, things are looking good for the second half. Uh, there's definitely still more to come, but, but generally feeling pretty good. Nice. But again, it must be frustrating in terms of, you know, in club racing like that, because in sim racing, you can just hit the restart button. Yeah, all is well. No mechanical gremlins or anything like that. But then you go out on that track and it's, yeah, anything can play havoc. A 20 pence gasket could break and then all of a sudden it's up in smoke and it all goes wrong. But it sounds like it's gone all right so far, though, this year. Yeah, yeah, I know all about those cheap parts going wrong and causing <laughs> issues. But no, I mean, I, I agree. It, it, it can be tough not being able to just hit that restart button. But at the same time, that's kind of what makes it so good. Because when you're doing club enduro, it's obviously a long race. It's not just about outright lap time. And I quite enjoy that as a driver. You know, if we are struggling a little bit for pace for any reason, you know, we're sitting maybe third or fourth place, not having the best race. You can always rely on the fact that something could happen, something could change. You never wish bad things on your opponents. But um, basically, if you're in third or fourth halfway through the race, there's still a good chance you can win that that race. So, um, yeah, I, I actually really enjoy that element of it. It's, it's actually quite refreshing to just be able to focus on what you're doing and uh, kind of let the race come to you rather than having to go out and, you know, be absolutely perfect all the time in order to have any chance of a good result. Yeah, completely different to what it is in like other forms of motorsport as well, because that, I think that's the good thing about club racing. And I think that's the bit that people kind of miss about club racing is that, yeah, it is all it is kind of just more fun than seriousness with most of that paddock, isn't it? Yeah, honestly, uh, like it, it's a conversation I've had a lot over the years. Um because, you know, we could have tried to, to build as much budget as possible and gone and tried to get into something like touring cars or maybe taking money to GTs. But um, it's always been, you know, it's always very, very difficult to raise to raise funds as, as, you know, everyone's aware. So for me, I just absolutely love being able to do 
club enduro year year in year out. Uh, I think it's you know having motorsport at a more affordable and accessible level um, for people who don't have you know millions of pounds to play with. To be honest, the the enjoyment com- becomes a lot higher for me because you're not so stressed about impressing a certain sponsor or making sure you get that specific result. You're not always kind of searching around for where you can find money. You can actually just go out there and enjoy it in a sustainable fashion. So you know that's that's one of the reasons I absolutely love club racing. I'd much rather do you know twenty or thirty years of club racing than than scrabble about for one year in a really cool series but then not be able to race again after that and that's kind of been a thing for me ever since i ever since i started circuit racing really um it's, it's been an aim of mine to try and race in something that is in some way sustainable for me so um yeah i have to say that's one of the best things about it yeah because you've not just this isn't your first time racing on 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 big circuits you've you've done it in the past before and i think predominantly in the mx5 as well am i right in saying yeah, I've I've kind of gone full circle really because I, I was a, a sprint and hill climber at the start. So my dad always used to do hills and hills and sprints in a single seater. So I jumped in when I was sixteen, and I managed to to win the uh, Scottish top ten sprint championship in my first year. So that was when we thought, right, let's go and let's go and uh, try the circuit racing down south and see what we can make of it. So I went into MX five sprint sprint racing in the uh, Super Cup. So for me, that was at the time that was like long races and big circuits and. And that was almost felt like endurance because I was used to, you know, 30 or 40 second sprints in a, in a single seater. So I kind of went through through that phase of racing in MX5s and single make series. So I did Super Cup for a year. It got a little bit expensive. So I ended up having to pull out halfway through the season. But then I moved to Max 5 the next year and won that championship in 2016. So at that point, it was it was uh, it was really good. We were we were fully invested in the Mazdas, but sadly, we, we didn't have the budget to keep going. So we had to sell the car. Um, but then thankfully this this whole opportunity with TWP came along uh, just over a year later and uh, we've been with them ever since. So I've stuck around in the Mazda MX-5 just through pure coincidence, to be honest. Um, but we're now doing endurance racing, doing two or three hour races. Uh, so I've kind of come full circle from sprints and hills to, to actual endurance racing. So hopefully it's 24 hour racing next, but we'll have to wait and see. Oh, 24 hour racing. But what, what are we thinking in 24 hours of, of racing? You know, because there's karting 24 hours, obviously car 24 hours, of course. But what, what, what are we thinking? I think best one to do is Citroen C1 24 hour at Silverstone. That's the best one. Ni- what was it? I think the year I did it was like 99 cars racing and about like 60 of them finished because the rest of them all rolled on their roofs or something like that. It was, it was a fun race to watch because I was watching that broadcast. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know to be honest. I mean, I've done 24 hour sim races before. I've done Race of Remembrance which is the you know t- 10 or 12 yeah. hours and that that is honestly a highlight of the year every single year for me. It's so much fun. Uh, obviously the, the ultimate dream if I was being completely unrealistic would be to go and race at Le Mans or something but that's, that's not something that is in any way uh, achievable at the moment so well you never know but being, <laughs> being realistic if, i mean to be honest anything i could get my hands on for 24 hours would be good i just i love being part of a team when you're racing in endurance racing because you, when you actually do well and you're you're having a successful race you don't just enjoy it individually you can actually enjoy it with the team members and your teammates and you can kind of share in that and you can kind of egg each other on so when you win a race it's not like everyone else is upset because they didn't win you can actually share that feeling with multiple people so that that's one of the biggest appeals for me and that's why the idea of doing a 24-hour race is is you know such a good thing every time i do a 24-hour race i say to myself halfway through it why am i doing this why am i putting myself through that why why again why but again i can understand it you know it's such a great thing like you just said there you have the team everyone around you it is such a great atmosphere and that kind of takes over the stresses of uh, sleep deprivement and all of that hunger uh, just pure pure adrenaline takes over and you just have a wicked time even though you've been out the cup for probably i don't know five six hours and you've not been racing for a while so yeah i can imagine there's 
there's ups and downs to it, but everyone, I think, in their lifetime, if you're into racing, should do a 24-hour endurance race. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as you know, we've, we've done a couple of 24-hour sim races together and we have, yeah. in terms of driving. <laughs> yeah. I've also commentated and driven during events and just done commentary. So I've done kind of a full range of things. There was one I did, I think it was, there was only two of us for most of the race. So I think we did 11 or 12 hours of driving each and one person stepped in for one hour in the middle of the night just to give us a break. But there's something very special about it. Like you do go through the sleep deprivation when you're commentating, you start talking absolute nonsense, especially <laughs> at 9, 10 in the morning. My, anyway. my words, yeah, well, I was going to say, my, my words uh, struggle to come out at the best of times so when it gets to 11 a.m and you've done eight hours of driving and eight hours of chatting rubbish it, it becomes very difficult indeed but yeah there's something very special about that you know being able to to jump out of a car in the dark and then see the see the daylight coming back in and think wow i've just you know i've been awake for that whole night and and the race is still going and we're still we've still got eight hours to go it's mm -hmm. um it's very special yeah let's talk a little bit about our traction gg though itself because obviously we talk about the club racing we're going to talk about racing all, all day long but traction gg a fairly new sort of youtube channel that's uh, come through onto it you know you've you've done well though you, you're nearly nearly at forty thousand subscribers on youtube so talk us a little bit about the the, the birth of the traction gg name so traction basically came about as a as a way of building a racing game community so what we want to do is is build up through our website and YouTube channel and of course social channels as well. We want to build up a community of people who just love playing racing games. We want to get as many people playing them as possible. And it's, you know, we, we tend to, we, we try and cover everything. So we cover sim racing and we also cover arcade racing games as well. So we try and bring these two clashing communities at the best of times together. Uh, and just show them that you can enjoy one thing and you can also enjoy the other and you don't have to feel guilty about that and you don't have to send abuse to the other side for not liking the same games as you um, and just just try and bring some positivity to it as well because i think you know there's a lot of anger in the gaming community at times and there's a lot of frustrations and we understand that because you know there some games can be can can not be as good as people would hope for example but at the end of the day there are so many good things out there and uh, that there'll be lots of young people that haven't had the chance to actually try them so we just want to basically go out there and showcase every kind of racing game and really highlight the great things in the industry and, and try and get some some younger people as well as older people onto their sim rigs and uh, into into the racing game community because it's it's such a cool place to be it's such a fun thing to do and it's actually a really nice social thing as well you make so many friends through it um, over, i've definitely done so over the years as well so that that's kind of the the overarching aim of, of what we're doing at traction yeah i mean you, you've you've brought up some really good points there as well in terms of the frustration behind it and then the the, the, the I, I don't know hatred seems like a harsh word to say but it, it it really is you get the people who are like dedicated to like things like forza motorsport and you get people who are dedicated like r factor 2 and things like that and it, it, there is no real in between uh, between the two of them you know i love r factor 2 and I love Forza Motorsport. Oh, in fact, Forza Horizon. I play Forza Horizon all the time. I love it because it's such a good laugh. You know, you get on there, you get on your voice chat with your mates, grab some beers and <laughs> play some racing games. And it's, you know, I just feel like what, where, where is all that sort of come from? That, that I don't know, the hatred that people have between each other. It, it's, it's really strange. But like you say, with Attraction uh, YouTube, I feel like, yeah, that's an excellent idea to do. You know, just trying to bring the community together with a bit of everything with the arcade and the sim racing games as well. Uh, but then also the reviews on stuff as well, like the new Thrustmaster steering wheels, anything from Fanatec coming through as well. That's always good because the one thing that I'm always in the market for is a new steering wheel. And if one comes around and I want to know a little bit more about it, it, I always go to YouTube. So, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think one of the main things um, that Traction tries to be is we, we try to cover as much as possible. And we, you know, our editorial team, especially on the website side, our, our lead editor, Tom, is just absolutely phenomenal. He, he never stops working, but he, he will go out of his way to cover absolutely everything. So, you know, you can be sure that if there's new hardware coming out and we can get our hands on it, we will do. And, um, and we'll get a review. We've also got Rich also on the video team who does a lot of the hardware stuff. I try and also do some, some educational stuff on the, on the software side. So I'll try and help people get up to speed with their sim racing and maybe do track guides and how to trail break, how to, you know, overtake properly, stuff like that. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a mixture of everything. So as you say, you know, it's a, it's a great place to go if you're just looking for any kind of information about sim racing, if you want to improve. Um, but the, the main thing is really that if you keep an eye on the, on the website, we, you know, we do never really miss anything important. So if there is a game coming out i can guarantee you that traction will be covering it and uh if you want to you know if there's any big releases in the next few weeks that you want to learn about you want to know if the game's any better than it was the last year or if there are any new features um the, the nice thing is you can jump on the website and there will absolutely be all of the information you need so it's it's been so much fun really um, building that and and just seeing seeing everyone grow into the in, into what traction is and actually you know understanding what we're trying to do and it's it, yeah it's a lovely thing to be part of especially for mm -hmm. me since i've kind of been in it since since right at the start which is which has been great so to see that growth to see you know obviously i've been improving my own technical skills as well with the video making and and um yeah it's, it's just it's just fantastic yeah it's never an easy thing to run a youtube channel it's it, it a lot of people obviously do try and we, uh, we encourage people to try it as well because you know you can grab a camera start talking to it and you know start making content yeah very easy thing to do but then really getting into it, the nitty-gritty side of things there is a lot to do in terms of managing it but and it's not just videos that you're making as well it live streams as well like you, you broadcast some of the uh, the, the Formula Challenges, you know, you had the Donington Park Formula Challenge as well, the Formula Pro Challenge that you had recently. That was quite good. And I love those cars as well because uh, they all sound like the classic F1, like the classic screaming V10s, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they are incredible. And we get to enjoy them every week at the moment because we've got mm. Formula Challenge one week and then Formula Pro the other week, which you can probably see on the background behind yes, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm actually sitting in the studio where we do our commentary for that as well. Um, and yeah, we, we do. We, we also cover esports and all the esports news on there as well. We we broadcast a lot of official esports events, especially the R Factor 2 stuff. So we have the coverage of the Virtual Le Mans, uh, the Virtual Le Mans series. Got to go to Paris last year and, and uh, be part of that event, which was absolutely incredible. Just just absolutely phenomenal thing. So yeah. we get to do so, so much. Um, there's also a Twitch channel as well. We've got streamers over there. As I say, I'm kind of focused on the YouTube side, but I mean, the, ni the nice thing about, you know, making these kind of videos is yes, we're, we're very fortunate and we've got a lot of mm. good people. Uh, we've got a lot of great equipment and, you know, the budget to be able to go and make videos with high quality cameras and studios and stuff like we are now, but you can actually just pick this stuff up at home you know you can pick up budget versions of cameras you know you can set up your room however you like it and you can start making your own videos um so it's something that even though we've got you know we're in a great position to make as good as possible anyone can do and, and hopefully you know people watching our videos some of them have been inspired to go and make their own videos because again it's just sharing that enjoyment of gaming with other people hmm. in terms of the videos that you've created so far because there's quite a few go on what, what what's the favorite what's the favorite out there Oh, I, I quite like, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive motorsport fan. So for me, the, the core enjoyment about traction isn't, you know, there's, there's gaming and there's motorsport, right? And we have some people that love their gaming and love games, but are maybe not so clued up on motorsport. And there's other people that love their motorsport and gaming is a byproduct of that. And I'm kind of more on that end. So I've come from the, the racing side of things, which is why I've gotten into sim racing, because I wanted to go real life racing and, and ended up loving both. So 
for for me i really love the you know the the uh, projects where i can sit down and write a story about real racing and link it to to gaming so i did one where i talked about uh older old rally cars um from art that are in art of rally which is a fantastic you know visually beautiful game um created by an indie developer june and i kind of looked at some of the old uh, classic rally cars that he'd put in the game that lots of people have forgotten about and did a little video about uh, everything that you know the story of these cars basically uh, and telling it through video games and did something similar recently with Le Mans as well and going through the Le Mans 24 hour and the history of the event and also looking at some of the cars that have made their way onto the video games as well so I really enjoy those things um, we've also had a few kind of top gear style challenges where we've had big races on Euro Truck Simulator they, they definitely don't do very well in terms of views but for us <laughs> filming them they're huge amounts of fun and obviously you know that that's one of the important things when we're making videos it's it's not just about what's going to get the clicks it's you know we want to enjoy what we're doing and, and yeah. try and bring something that people really enjoy so um, yeah i'd say those those are the, probably my favorite ones the, the big races and the, the the passion projects about real motorsport now brilliant stuff that sounds absolutely fantastic well john thank you so much for taking your time out your uh, busy schedule to chat to us uh, today where are we next in terms of real racing um i think 750 club enjoy their next one is spa i think they're heading overseas yeah, so I'm I'm taking a bit of holiday next week. We're gonna we're gonna head over to Spa and uh, yeah, racing on Thursday and the Friday, and gonna turn it into a little bit of a family holiday as well. We've got family coming over, so very excited for that. We last time we were at Spa, we won the race from the back from the back of the grid as well. So uh, hopefully we can repeat stuff this year, but we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Well, we'll wish you the best of luck with that one, and uh, John Monroe, thank you very much. Thanks very much. Cheers. Let's move on now to the new segment of the podcast and a lot has happened over this last few weeks and I have to say we're going to kick start with the British Grand Prix because obviously that race itself was well probably one of the best races I think I've ever seen in terms of F1 in the modern era I have to say so I just want to say a huge congratulations to the new upgrades to the cars and everything like that making them much closer to race with because again it just shows that that's worked really and it has been a fantastic race and a fantastic season so far so I am looking for the rest of it but I do want to kickstart obviously with the first corner incident at the start of the race Joe uh, Guan Yu who had that horrific accident at the start of the British Grand Prix um, there's a photo there's lots of photos circulating of that incident and obviously lots of footage um, circulating of that incident as well but there was one specifically that comes to mind it's this one Joe uh, Guan Yu is, is, is completely trapped in that He's completely trapped in that car. A lot of people are calling out that it's the halo that's trapping him. And uh, in a way, it is slightly. There's no fault in that. It is. But it's the barrier, that little gap there. And that gap is a marshal run. It's uh, to allow marshals to get to incidents and for photographers to, to take unobstructed photos as well. And obviously, that photo was taken by a photographer who had to run out the way, Sam Stansall. And, oh, sorry, Ben Stansall, I should say. And he uh, he had to dive out of the way and then he turned around and then took that photo. When you really see from that how trapped the driver is. And I just want to stress at this point that if that car had caught fire, heaven forbid, but if it had, we might not have been talking to Zhou Guan Yu at the end of that Grand Prix, which is a huge shock, and I think, to a lot of people. And I think the last crash that really uh, shook me when I watched it live was uh, Romain Grosjean at um, Bahrain at the end of 2021 that that crash where the car caught fire and I, I again I've never said it before but I thought we were going to see um, 
see a fatality in that one as well. And, you know, it was so lucky that he got out. But seeing that image, um, he wouldn't have gone out of that at all. So I think, you know, I think it, it's brought up a huge question mark in circuit safety and circuit design as well that I feel like either the 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 the, the big armco barriers or the big catch fencing barriers need to be either on top of the armco or there needs to be a much much larger gap between the uh, barriers and the catch fencing i feel like that needs to happen and it needs to happen quickly and that that's going to be a, i'm not going to lie that's going to be a huge job for circuits and in some places circuits can't don't have the space for things like that so is that going to mean new circuit designs is that going to mean uh, you know things that are going to happen but that that photo that really that really um that caught my attention on that one because you see uh joe Guanyu's head there just in the cockpit he can't do anything he he's got to wait and like you say if the fuel cell had ruptured it had been a completely different story and yeah it is it is a shocking one to see there and a lot of people are blaming the halo for it and again i can understand in a way you know if it didn't have a halo there there may have been a little bit more space to get out but there is no doubting the halo's you know credentials it's it's the best thing that's happened to formula racing um you know since sliced bread so you know um it, it is what it is and to, to back that up of course formula 2 saw that uh saw that incident as well going out of veil into the uh, the club chicane as well um, Roy Nassani and uh, Dennis Hauger, you know, an absolutely horrific incident, but saved by a two kilogram piece of metal on top of the chassis, you know, that saved Roy Nassani's life and undoubtedly. So, you know, you can't blame the Halo. The Halo is there. It will remain. It will never change. Um, it might be improved over the years, but, you know, it, it's there and it, it is what it is. But it has its benefits but i feel like it also has its downsides but it is what it is and you know let us know what you think in the comments you know if you think it's um the benefit to the cars you know, let us in if you disagree with that if you think no you hate the halo you think you shouldn't be there you know let us know your opinion let us know in the comments before um but then again everyone for that formula i want to take back to that formula 2 crash because again everyone was talking about the halo again was saving the life yes it was but what caused that main incident to happen yes um Dennis Hager went off the track and couldn't stop, but the sausage curb, the sausage curb and the inside of club corner and forced that car to go up in the air and then hit uh, Roy Nassani at head height. Now, if that sausage curb wasn't there, it would have just gone into the side. It would have been a horrible crash still, but it wouldn't have gone airborne. He only went airborne because of that sausage curb and it's not the first time we've seen incidents uh, from sausage curbs and we've seen injuries from um, sausage curbs uh, abby eaton at kota you know she uh, she severely damaged um a spine at, at, at kota you know with a compression fracture and in the spine and you got to think back to uh, as well alex peroni in formula three at monza that a huge incident caused by a sausage curb so the design of the sausage curb and the placement of them i think is incredibly important and i think there are some that are just in the wrong places or unnecessary and i think the whole thing is unnecessary i think they don't need to exist and people would argue that they're there to stop people from cutting corners but again if, if a driver cuts a corner you give them a time penalty it's that simple you don't need to put a physical object there to stop them from doing it that causes them to go airborne and that causes horrific accidents so i think that maybe there needs to be um a rectification of that uh, who knows 
what can happen really but again let us know in the comments do you agree or disagree with the use of sausage curbs and do you think they should be completely scrapped and uh, you think the FIA on circuits need to come up with better ideas but uh, do let us know and yeah let us know your opinions on that one but um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about uh, all of that but I think it is what it is and who do you think was at fault at turn one? Because I personally, and I hate to say this because I think he's an absolute legend, uh, I think it was George Russell. I think it was George Russell at fault on that one, and I hate to say it. A lot of people thinking uh, Pierre Gasly uh, was at fault on that one, but uh, it's uh, a very tough incident on that one. But again, let us know who you think. Let us know in the comments. We'll have a chat about that maybe on the next one or in another video as well. But uh, I think enough news. We'll head on now. Next guest is coming up next. On to our second guest now, Jack Duane, who joins us from the, well, the, the world of Clio racing, I suspect, because you've raced nearly everything in Clio's, haven't you, Jack? And you've had a fantastic career so far and a fantastic season so far. You've had a pretty good run at Croft. I think it was second in both rounds. You had a pretty good running. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had at <laughs> Silverstone, what was it, first in class, and Pembury as well. So, you know, you're not too shabby when it comes to racing Clio's, are you? No, we've been driving Clio's for a long time, probably like the last five or six years, just track bane and the odd rounds here and there. So um, quite a few of my friends have got them as well, which is why I got one. And um, they're just a good car, aren't they, all around me? They have a lot of fun in and then we've got bored of track layers, thought we might race it as well, which is how it started, really. Yeah, they are good little cars to drive, aren't they? But one thing you've always got to watch out for is that little bit of lift-off oversteer, isn't it? You've got to watch out for <laughs> that because that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that can cause havoc with it. And now you, you're giggling. So is that uh, any experiences with lift-off oversteer that you've had then? Well, my, <laughs> my setup on my car's sort of set up to do that to, with right. a certain degree. So it's not something I, I worry about too much. I quite like it to rotate on the back, but not it's tricky because you, you need a fair amount of it but you don't want it doing it when you're not expecting it so try to set it up to do it and i'd like it to but it's not always the case like you said it can catch you out sometimes there we go well that's cleos for you in a nutshell really isn't it uh, jack let's talk a little bit about how your career kind of started in motorsport because we can have a conversation about uh, many things that go on because you know you've got people who start their careers out in karting from a very young age come up the ranks and then go into that but that's not the case with yourself no, I did, I did do some karting, but only just messing around when I was younger. I started on motorbikes. I was, did a lot of motorbikes right. when I was younger and then got too many injuries and ended up breaking bones and just sort of stopped. I broke my leg quite badly. So I bought a go-kart when I was about 16 and used to go to the PFI track, which isn't mm -hmm. too far from where we live. So I just used to go out there on a Saturday and, uh, and just mess about really. Didn't really know what we'd do, but I had a lot of fun. Now in turn, uh, what, what kart was it? We've, what? we've got to know. Rotax, oh, God, Miami, go on, we'll pick your brains now, was what was blue. it? It was blue, it excellent, well, it was blue, it was a blue one. <laughs> yeah, I think it was BR or something like that. Was it, did it, was it two-stroke? Rotax, yeah, Rotax. It was Rotax, okay, but it was a blue, yeah, it was yeah. a blue Rotax, right, okay. That narrows yeah. it down to about a thousand carts that are currently running in the <laughs> UK. Yeah. But yeah, there we go, well, that's yeah. something at least. But I'm guessing if you were 16, did you go for a senior Rotax engine though? I think so. it was fast. That's all I know. There we go. It was yeah. fast. It was rear wheel drive. And then you went from that and then you, it was it was sort of track day. So um, 
track days, I think they're they're quite a little fun thing to do. And obviously, you were saying to yourself, uh, saying to myself there that you know you started out with a bit of track days, you got bored of them, and then you thought racing uh, side of it. What 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 really kind of triggered to go racing? Did you just have like you were thinking were you competitive on track days? You thought this car's quite quick around here. I think I'd like to see how I can compare against others. I think so. Yeah, I think when you go, especially when you start going track day with your friends, obviously. You all, you all end up having a little race, especially towards the end of the day when the tracks. Sure, the tracks love that. Sure, the tracks. But you obviously get told off as well, don't you? (laughs) You you get all the two laps for you. Told it that's that's enough now, lads. So um, yeah, just I don't know. I'd always fancied racing the clears. I'd seen that K Tech Championship when it was released, but couldn't afford to do it like six, seven years ago. Um, I was. I started the car I got that was track day was it? It had already been raced, so it was race ready. So we did some. um, classic sports car called tin tops okay yeah that's I think that was what the series was called did three or four rounds of that but the races were too long for the car it kept breaking down towards the end and then <laughs> the sort of the tuning side of it you couldn't really get any more out of it and it still wasn't that competitive with the with the other cars in it so i wanted a single make series because you sort of just more more so it was it was even and it's more about the driving then mm. For me, anyways, it's not about who's got the fastest engine, and um, so that was why we we moved to the KTEC ones. Yeah, and like I say, well, you did well in that one, didn't you? Because 2021 champion, and uh, you know, an absolutely yeah, fantastic result. Sort of had some good results straight away, which wasn't expected. You sort of expect to be mid pack, um, so sort of halfway through the season, I thought actually we might be on with a shout of this, providing everything goes to plan, but. It got tough towards the end. Um, I was up against Kingsbury, who was very, very quick, and he'd been doing it a while. Um, and he knew a few tricks that we didn't as well. So it did go down to the final round, which was which was quite exciting. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was tough, but sort of unexpected as well. If you know what I mean. What about the step up to one nine sevens? What 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 about that? I'm j- I think the one nine seven is a great car. And KTEC have done a really good job with it, obviously. So um, I didn't think it was going to be as fast as it is. I, had, I just thought the 182s would be quicker. Um, I thought it would take them a while to get them developed, especially the extra weight. But uh, that hasn't been the case. They, they were quicker crop that straight out of the box. And obviously now they've, they've all got a little bit more of an idea about what they can do with them and how far they can push them so far. They've been sort of a different league altogether, which slightly annoying but it's it's good i suppose for the championship it's it, it's a good direction for them to go in not sure whether i'll get one yet i'm going to wait mm-hmm. and see what uh see what they do trying to level them up because if they're going to make them closer there wouldn't be a lot of point in getting one and um, yeah but i'm just going to see how the year goes first and concentrate on the 182s i think that's the one thing in club racing is it? and it's the one thing for club race organizers as well is that they want to make a championship that is affordable but can be so regulated that it is close racing as well because you do yeah, see yeah. it in club racing all the time there is one car that just absolutely dominates it and then everyone else is kind of just kind of separates out in the sort of middle yeah, area there's not really yeah. any racing is there so i think that's one thing they're trying to do and i think yeah it's getting it from a sort of driver's point of view that kind of just shows that yeah you don't want to get one yet because of that reason so you know maybe that's a, a maybe a wake-up call to some organizers you know to say that you know okay maybe we do need to sort something out i think that's kind of a a crucial thing behind it but like you say but with your racing you know you you you're, you are fast out there you know you, you can win races we know this 
So, you know, that is one thing. And apparently it's dangerous for your mechanics when you win races because apparently you like to push them over when you win. <laughs> yeah, we did, did sort of lose his feet, didn't he, towards the end at Snetterton at the end. Yeah, he did. I just clicked on what you meant there. Yes, there we go. Yeah, winning the cup. What was it? You jumped out the car. He was setting up the P1 on the board and everything like he that. Was, he, he, was, he was off balance, though, when I sort of got to him. So he didn't take much of it. Good gust of wind and blowing him over, but it just who, caught him at the wrong time. Who was that? Give him a shout out. Go on. It was uh, it was Joel. It was my best friend Joel. He he looks after my car while we're there at the weekends. So um, but we'd uh, I mean, we both really wanted it. We'd he was as much a part of it as I was, as well as everybody else that helped. And um, he's on the pit wall and just there all weekend. Do you know what I mean? So for him, it was quite a big deal as well, um, which was why it was nice. When we'd finally got it, because we'd spoke about it the night before, thinking, oh, you know, it's sort of, it's got to happen tomorrow because of the because of the way the points had fallen. Mm. But we were quite chuffed with what we'd done anyway. If we was going to get a second, but seeing as a, a one was on the cards, we thought, well, we might as well go for it. I'd got nothing to lose. Things we've got everything to lose because he'd been close to winning it before. Yeah. So um, I don't know if he was a bit more probably driving a little bit more sensible, whereas we could just go at it. And uh, if I spun off, it didn't really matter because we'd got second anyway. So mm. that was probably why the driving was slightly harder than it would have been if I was sort of going to lose it as such, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And there, there is that sort of different style of club racer as well, isn't there? Because you'll, the, uh, you'll get the aggressive types out there who are really want to win. They'll push the car to its limits, all of that. But then you'll get the you'll get the kind of well the, the soft driver type sort of thing like they're, they're they're there to have fun they're there to enjoy the track they're there to have uh you know enjoy the racing um and you've just got to try and get around them at any sort of point that you can there was always that's a different, yeah, yeah. A, a different level of uh, club races but yeah. you know when you can find a club level championship that can put all the quick drivers in together that's the sort of one that everyone wants to be a part of. I mean, would you say that the KTEC um, Championship is kind of like that at the moment? I mean, there's there's a lot of fast drivers in it. I've said this to many in the paddock before. I don't particularly do anything that nobody else can do. Um, I haven't got a, a secret ingredient as to why we're, we're quick and why we win because the lap times that I've put in are very, very, very similar to probably 10 other drivers. It's just the way we've finished races and collected points is why is why we won it the first time round mm. um, against drivers that have been doing it a few seasons before but because it's so tight if you don't get away at the start um, and you sort of get boxed in or you're in the mid-pack the lap times aren't quick enough from cars behind to catch you mm. because we're all doing the same sort of time so if you can get a two, a two three second gap in the first corner which is quite easy when the midfield sort of back each other up all you've got to do is maintain it through the race and just and just put your laps in nice and clean and uh, and consistently. So there's a lot of quick drivers in the in the in the KTEX. There was last year, and I think there has been in the years prior before we joined. Mm. But uh, to, again, talk us about it because for people who want to get into racing, especially club racing, they look at all the champions that are out there and they can see that you know there are such there are so many clubs out there. But it's choosing the right one and choosing what car you want to race in. When it came to choosing the Clio's, obviously you're a big fan of the Clio's, everything like that. But what 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 was the story behind getting the car in the first place? Because it was it was it an eBay job? Was it a complete road car? And it, you it all was worked actually, on it together. Yeah, I'd, I'd done around. I was at Donington at the time, and mm. then my car that I was racing had broken down again. Which well, 
something very silly, but it was uh, it was just annoying because it was the third time round. This is like, really starting to bug me a little bit because um, obviously come here to enjoy it and starting to not enjoy it. Um, and I had to walk from the other side of Donington Park all the way back round to where the, uh, the the pits are, and it took oh, me about a, thirty minutes. Yes, yeah, a lot. The duration of, of the race. <laughs> um, I was just thinking to myself, I think I feel like changing, but I, I couldn't really think what to. So I popped on eBay and put in a KTEC Clear One Eight Two to see if there's any about. So that's that's quite what I'd like to do. And um, Don, the graphs car was on there, so I gave him a call as soon as I got back to my mobile in the uh, in the caravan. Well, I was in a little motor home at the time. But you hadn't even left and the track before you got on Google. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you hadn't even left the track before you went on Google uh, on, uh, no, on no, eBay. No, no, I raced to go and buy it on the Tuesday. This was on the Saturday. <laughs> so I'll be down on the Tuesday, and uh, I'll be bringing that back with me if it's what you say it is. And um, it was a real nice guy, Donnie's, and uh, yeah, he sold me a very good car, which which helped last year, to be fair. Mm. So it was already kind of race prepped for you. You didn't really have to do much to it, or was there much work? No, to it, to it? it was it was ready to go. He'd, he'd not long been sort of racing it himself. I think he'd had it out probably a month or two prior. Um, gave me a lot of information about it and, and little setup tricks that I would have had to spend last year learning. So mm. I got a very good head start going into the championship um, with info and, and a little bit of data and things like that from from Don and. Um, then put sort of my experience behind the wheel to that what he told me and changed a few things because his setup wasn't quite what I liked but mm -hmm. the fundamentals of it were there and and got stuck in but we did the I think I did the last round in 2020 at Donington um, and finished I think finished dead last in the first race and I thought oh god this is very competitive this <laughs> probably bit off a little bit more than we can do <laughs> um, and, uh, but I had a good weekend and learnt a lot about it and then uh, and then sort of did some testing and practicing over the winter, ready for the, the 2021 season, and, and turned up and just thought, we'll uh, we'll see where we fare. And um, I think we got, I think qualified pole at Cadwell, which was the first the first round. And then it was sort of this is a bit of a, a change around because we finished yeah. last at the last time we got this car out. So um, I don't know if I'd, I'd had a lucky lap or something like that. But um, that pace sort of continued through the year and. And it just worked out. Didn't do too much to the car. Didn't change too much, and, and enjoyed it. I was I was really enjoying it last year, which was the main thing. Yeah, and, and then the results just made everything a little bit better. Yeah, Cadwell's a tricky circuit as well. So to be quick there, you know, because that's a narrow circuit. It's, it's mainly famous for it bike, yeah. bike racing, you know, but it, to, to race Cleo's around there and then to to put it fastest as well. So something must have gone right then. I, well, I think so. I mean, I was I wasn't on for a pole lap for like hmm. three or four laps, and then. Um, I just got it. I just got it right. I saw my delta was up slightly, and I thought, "Oh, this is this is quite handy." But I still wasn't sure where I was going to fare. I just knew it was a quick lap because I knew what a good lap round there was. And then it was by the skin of my teeth. I think I got all the way by zero point zero 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 one something like that. A lot of zeros. A lot of zeros in it. But yeah, but but it was key round there because obviously it's very tight. There's not a lot of overtaking opportunities. So that that weekend set us up for a good start. And uh, I can imagine that's, yeah, like you say, a nice feeling. And, you know, when you say, I'll go back a little bit to it, but, you know, when you're saying that you, you're buying the car from Dom, I think you said it was, but 
you know, it just it's nice to see that the community in club racing is still so friendly and so close because, you know, to give you, uh, you know, to let you have the car and helping you with the setup and showing you the data and things mm. like that, you know, a lot of other people would be, no, there's the car, go, sort of thing. I'm not yeah, sharing yeah, any of my data yeah, with you or anything like that. And, you know, when you get into professional motorsport and it is all hush-hush, no, you can't tell them that. No, don't tell them what tyre pressures we're running or anything like this. And it's just like, you go to a club racing paddock and it's just... What type of pressure are you running? Oh, we're on this. So, yeah, they'll just kind of tell you. And I think that's the nice thing about club racing. It is, yeah. It is nice. And I've had many phone calls with Don sort of during last year as well. Just, would you do this? Would you do that? What did you do here? What did you do there? So that, that helped as well as... I, I, I did get help out the paddock until we sort of started to get to the front. And then, obviously, guys that I'm friends with now, we didn't know them last year. So it was a little bit hush-hush. So we're not going to tell you anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem to be going quite well anyway, which <laughs> that sort of stopped as we became friends with people. Um, everybody started opening up a little bit more, but mm. you'd, you'd ask some people some things and they'd say, well, we don't need to tell you because you're in front of me, which wasn't the <laughs> wasn't the answer I wanted. I was asking because I needed to know. Um, yeah. But there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good guys in that clear grid now um, and some new guys this year, which are, which are a lot of fun and... Um, I think there's a lot of similar similar characters doing it this season, which has made it quite enjoyable and, and not so much pressure. Um, Jack, we're fastly running out of time here, so we'll quickly ask a couple of things. One, favourite UK circuit. Everyone has a favourite UK circuit. Where are you next racing? And uh, what can we expect from to see you at that next track? Uh, I think Donington's probably my favourite UK Good choice. circuit. Good choice. We are at Donington next as well. Well, there you um, go. Which should be, I'm quite looking forward to. I do like Croft though as well. That is a good circuit. But it's I'd a quick track is Croft, isn't it? Um, what was your last question? Uh, what, what what we expecting to see from it? Are we expecting front running again? Because obviously you were saying Donington Park, it's uh, it's a long walk back from the top end of that circuit to back to the it paddock, is, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it'll be, I don't think it'll be front running because obviously there's, there's a lot of 197s on the grid now, which is, okay. which is pushed the 182s further down. So we'll be trying to win the 182s or at least gain as many points as we can for the 182 championship because that's what I'd like to retain this year. Um, if we can get amongst the one nine sevens, I'll be amongst them. I won't. I won't be following them around, but it'll be it'll be tricky because they're quick. Exactly. Send send it down the inside. That's what you got to do. Always send yeah, it down it the stops. inside. If there's a gap, go for it. If you're not going for gaps, you're no longer a racing driver. Famous quote there, ladies. <laughs> but uh, there we go. Well, Jack, thank you very much for taking your time out your busy day to uh, chat to us. Uh, best of luck at Donington Park and uh, all the best for the rest of the 2022 season. Thank you. You're welcome. Our next guest on the Alpha Life podcast this month is racing driver, British racing driver, Richard Morris. The driver is currently working as one of the works drivers for the Revolution Racing Cars, competing in the European Sports Prototype Cup. Richard is also the creator of the Racing Pride movement. Richard, welcome to the show. How are we today? Hi, yeah, great to join you. I'm feeling good today. Excellent stuff. It's been a busy weekend that we've just had, of course, British Formula One, Pride Month itself as well. And, you know, yourself, a very busy driver as well. Uh, talk us, how's, how's this month been so far for you? Yeah, I mean, well, June was incredibly busy and I, I think imagine. July will be similar. <laughs> but, um, yeah, June especially, uh, lots going on. I had a race at Silverstone with yeah. Revolution. Um, Picked up a couple of second place podium finishes. Uh, had some fun battles with 
British Olympian Chris Hoy, uh, Sir Chris Hoy, as I should Ooh. call him, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not round the carriage, though. He's not that kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> also a former LMP2 driver, so uh, very talented. But yeah, enjoyed uh, scrapping away with him and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't think in 2012 I'd be standing on a podium with him and particularly with me on the uh, highest step of it. But there we go. Um, and I'm looking forward to racing again with Revolution at Spa uh, in just over a week's time. Um, and Pride Month as a whole is just incredible. Racing Pride working with three Formula One teams, full partnerships with Alpine F1, announced newly this month, continuing our partnership with Aston Martin F1. Um, and I also gave a talk at Williams F1 at Grove. So yeah, lots of, uh, lots of stuff going on. You, you've been around then, haven't you? And of course, yeah, very busy weekend with the Silverstone Grand Prix that's obviously just happened over the, uh, the weekend. Um, and yourself with Revolution Racing, Silverstone, a fantastic race that you just had in that one. Spa coming up, though. Spa, I think, the 15th and 17th of this month, I believe it is, that weekend. Uh, yeah, Spa's, yeah. A, Spa's a fantastic circuit. Have you raced there before? It is. I mean, I, um, I haven't. I've been to spectate there, and I have, you know, always wanted to race there. When I was last spectating there, I said to someone, like, oh, this would be my dream to race here. And they said, don't worry, one day you'll be back racing here. And I thought, yeah, right. But um, turns out it's happening. So <laughs> ever since I saw the calendar, I was super excited to go to Spa. It's it's happening, and it's happening in a pretty decent car as well. The Revolution racing cars are not slow. They are fast prototype-style cars. And, you know, to race one of those around Spa, that, that's a great achievement in itself. And it, not just being a track day in a Clio or something, even though that would still be pretty fun, I think. so. But, yeah, no, what an achievement for yourself. Yeah, I mean, the, the Revolution car is, is fantastic. It's taken a big step forward this year as well. So um, towards the end of last year, Phil Abbott phoned me up and said, would you be interested in uh, getting on board with this Revolution project? And yes. one of the things that really convinced me, well, I mean, firstly, of course, Phil Abbott, who designed a lot of the Radical cars, was responsible mm -hmm. for the success of them. It's really hard to say no to him anyway. But um, <laughs> the clincher was... Uh, him saying they were developing this new supercharged 500 plus brake horsepower version of the car. And, and I thought, well, that sounds incredible. <laughs> Got the hairs on the back of your neck uh, standing up when you heard that and just think, oh, yeah, I think I want to get a piece of that. So, yeah, I think the offer was was there. I think taking it was probably a good call. But talk us about the season so far, because we're about midway through your season, aren't we, in the, uh, in the Revolution Cup? Yeah. So, I mean, actually... Uh, I think because we wanted to develop the car so much, we sort of waited a little bit to get into racing. We did uh, a fair bit of testing um, towards the end of the winter, then started off with racing at Zandvoort um, a couple of months ago, uh, in combined in with the Dutch Supercar Challenge, which is like the British GT equivalent in the Netherlands. Um, and it has a prototype section at the front of it, which is obviously great fun, um, as well as a lot of GT3 cars. Um, so it was a really busy track. I think there were about 40 odd cars on the grid. Um, and Zandvoort, of course, is mega with all the banking and, you know, nothing at Zandvoort is a straight line. It's always bumpy. And um, yeah, it was a really exciting track and managed to kick off my season with pole position in qualifying and uh, a feature race win as well. So uh, I think that was great. And it was important for Revolution as well to prove the car is above gt3 pace and to to be able to drive away from those cars so yeah my first time ever at that track as well i'm having to do a lot of learning of circuits 
Silverstone, of course, track I do know. Oh, um, yes. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's always mega to race on the Grand Prix circuit there. You know, it has so much to the heritage around it. And yeah, so far I'm four podiums from four races, a win, two seconds, and a third. So um, hopefully, you know, I would love to stand on the top step at uh, Spa, but hopefully we can keep that run going. Um, and then we've got, yeah, some other things coming up after that. I might be uh, doing a little demo in New York uh, at Lime Rock Park, uh, oh, nice. while near New York. So that'd be exciting. And um, yeah, we'll have to see whether the calendar goes after that, but more European races coming up in the autumn, I'm sure. Yeah, for any sim racing fans out there, Lime Rock Park is a, is a favourite, I think, for many uh, on some platforms of uh, sim racing. So yeah, Lime Rock Park, fantastic I'll have to get circuit. I'm trying it. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Get on it. Get on it. Uh, but again, your success in the revolution. Um, cars has not just come from nothing you know you've raced back in 750 motor club in you'll have to correct me on this what was it bike sports or sports 1000 uh sports 1000 sports i was 1000. Uh, i was the works driver for spire sports cars which uh, was enormous fun yes <laughs> i really yeah. loved that and you had lots of victories there as well didn't you i think i specifically remember i was there in the pit lane with you uh, at silverstone and a, a fantastic victory from yourself there Oh, yeah, I think that might have been actually uh, one of my favourite wins uh, hit for Spire. So, yeah, I mean, Spire's a fantastic uh, car, you know, for what it does. The Sports 1000s, for people who don't know, they are prototypes. They're relatively low downforce. They've got a screaming 1000cc bike engine, um, and they still, you know, they go faster than touring car lap times. They, they're pretty amazing bits of kit on um, just semi-slick performance road tires mm. so um yeah lots of fun in that series i'm so grateful to paul nightingale who owns spire who gave me that opportunity i've been racing in formula ford and had just come runner up and then uh in class in the national championship in formula ford uh and he gave me a chance said oh, i've got a car that that you could drive uh and and honestly it kept me in racing and i did a couple of years there as you say lots of success that particular day we'd had a an issue in qualifying and i had to come from the back of the grid in the first race put myself on the front row for the second race and, and then won that one and so it was uh probably a very emotional me you were speaking to there because uh <laughs> I, I didn't think after qualifying you'd be talking to me as a winner of that day <laughs> yeah you, you were quite emotional on that one but again rightly so it was a fantastic weekend for yourself and yeah it just shows again the talent that you've got as a, as a racing driver which is which is brilliant brilliant now we can talk about racing all day i'm pretty sure but i want to talk a little bit more about racing pride because it's an absolutely fantastic movement that you've got going out there and again really bringing uh, a lot more diversity into motorsport which i think is a must i think yeah um i mean racing pride is something that i started to kick around the ideas for in late 2018 and that we launched in mid 2019 june 2019 june is pride month for those who don't know um, and the idea was just that I hadn't seen many LGBTQ plus people in racing on my way up um, or hadn't been consciously aware of many. And that led to a bit of a feeling of isolation and, and being the only one. And I thought probably connected to that. It was just a difficult area for people to talk about in motorsport paddocks. Um, the motorsport world wasn't used to discussing LGBTQ plus inclusion like some other areas of society are starting to be. Um, so we wanted to get together some ambassadors in different walks of the sport and in different series and in different roles to be those visible LGBTQ plus people, to let people know that they're not alone uh, and hopefully to give a, a positive example 
of being able to be yourself in the sport and to have lots of success. Um, and as it's evolved, we've also started doing more on the educational front um, and starting to work with clubs and series and organizations and teams to help them understand how they can actually create inclusive environments for LGBTQ plus people. So we're now, as of last year, working even up to Formula One. We announced a partnership with Aston Martin Formula One team last June, but have been working with them for some months beforehand. And similarly, the same with Alpine F1 this year. We've done bits and pieces with Williams, as I said. Um, and there we're really looking into, you know, what are their HR policies? If someone wants to transition in the team, what do you do about that? How do you help them? Um, you know, what are things that managers should be aware of? What should we be thinking about on race weekends to keep everyone feeling safe? Um, so yeah, it's become really quite an in-depth project, but, uh, one that I'm absolutely loving. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, because I think a lot of people don't realize that motorsport is, there are so many elements to it and there are so many different departments and everything like that. And I think trying to transition for someone into this sort of, uh, into this sort of thing it's you know it's I, I can imagine it is quite a challenge and for yourself to bring out the, the racing pride movement and to really show people that it, you can you can do it you can be done and and we encourage it it is, it is absolutely amazing yeah i think uh you know also what's been great is seeing the support that there's been in motorsport mm. i mean I think there's possibly a um, knee-jerk reaction when something like this is launched to see it as a bit of an attack on the present state of the sport or to, to see it as a criticism of people mm. in the sport. But actually, you know, the reason that we founded uh, this was a belief that the majority of people in motorsport want to make it accessible, want to be able to share their love for the sport with as many people as possible. Mm. Um, and I think the issue was just that the conversation wasn't being had and that people didn't have a way of showing their support. So, you know, I, I think broadly speaking, we've been proved right on that one, that Racing Pride has enjoyed a lot of support. And I've certainly felt a lot of love within paddocks and, and pit lanes for, yeah. you know, really just being able to start that conversation and give people a way of showing, actually, we do want to be a forward looking sport and, and we do want to include everyone. Yeah, because racing now is not just, you know, big race teams with loads of money and it's it's rich people doing it there, there's club racing there's loads of people coming into it it's karting you know we've got carters in the community we've got uh, big formula racers who are in the community as well um you know mm. so there is a huge diversity of people coming into the sport and i feel like you know this being so open again another beautiful thing and uh, for yourself working so hard with it it, it is such a, an amazing thing where's the next steps for it though what, what's the next thing in line for racing pride yeah, so uh, Racing Pride has been starting to expand uh, internationally a bit. So we launched in uh, North America as well as uh, here in the UK. We have um, some um, initiatives going on in Europe. And certainly as I race in Europe, I'm hoping to, well, I am doing events alongside my racing to bring the LGBTQ plus community together. We had an event alongside the Australian Grand Prix where um, some of our ambassadors host an event at the local Pride Centre um by the track so we're expanding a bit internationally which i think is really exciting uh, and we're also trying to reach out into more branches of the sport um so we obviously have our ambassador program which we kind of review each year um who who's going to be ambassadors for us and and we're consciously trying to reach out into more areas of the sport and this year i'm uh, excited that we brought on a rallycross driver in uh, bradley westgarth which took us 
beyond sort of circuit racing. Um, I would love for Racing Pride at the same time as expanding at the highest, at the highest levels of the sport, at the same time as working with Formula One, we have to keep that relationship with the grassroots and with club racing and with karting um, because, you know, I felt while I was coming through karting, that was one of the most difficult stages of my career to be out. And I mean, that's partly because I was young, you know, I was coming up through my teenage years and I'm aware that's a tricky time for people. Mm. And so the more support we can give them at that stage, the better. Um, but also, you know, I think it's possibly inevitably true that in more and more professionalized environments, you know, perhaps these topics get a little bit easier uh, within that framework, whereas in sort of grassroots level, perhaps that's where work needs to be done to make sure that everyone is being inclusive and, and welcoming everyone in, particularly when they're just starting out in the sport and we want to give the best impression of the sport um, straight away to people so that, you know, that talent feels welcome. And as it rises up, you know, people always feel able to be themselves throughout their careers. And that will filter through, of course, into the broader motorsport industry. Hmm, definitely so. And uh, like you say, you hit the nail on the head there when saying, you know, there is a lot of different championships. Karting as well can be a very tough time for a lot of drivers in their younger racing careers and i feel like there are so many karting paddocks out there in the uk that don't get that sort of support so it would be great to see you know racing pride in these paddocks and we'd love to have you along like yourself uh, like myself i'm in the the motorsport uk british kart championships paddock nearly every other weekend commentating so you know it'd be great to see you guys there and and getting involved and in, in those sort of paddocks as well so yeah it'd be lovely to have you along but uh, we're fastly running out of time richard but i just wanted to say a huge thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule for joining us today um best of luck in spa coming up in a in a weekend or two um we do wish you all the best but thank you very much for uh, taking your time to talk to us you're very welcome thank you for having me on and uh, giving me a chance to talk about these things no, thank you Well, that's all we've got time for for this month's episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Alpha Life podcast. Please do get your comments in and let us know who you want to see next on the Alpha Life podcast or whether or not you want to be a guest yourself. Let us know in the comments below. And if you are enjoying what you see here, please make sure you do give the podcast a like and share it out to as many people as you possibly can. Again, a huge thank you to our three guests, John Monroe, Richard Morris, and Jack Duane for joining us on this month's episode. A huge thank you for them for taking their time out. And we do hope they enjoyed it as well and I hope they'll share it out also but a huge thank you to everyone watching and it's goodbye for now we'll see you next month <laughs>